welcome back to Disney Independent. I am sitting on a couch. And I'm Sarah Chilcat. Sarah's not here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm producer Ash, and Sarah's not here, so we have... Us two idiots, and Dexter is sitting where Sarah normally sits. Dexter, say something. Well said, dude. <laughs> good job, buddy. He's being a good boy. He's a good boy. Well, we're back. Um, like we said, Sarah can't make it today, so we are covering for her and us. <laughs> <laughs> we're covering for ourselves. For ourselves. Uh, she says what's up. She did send in a note. Um, she wanted all of you guys to know that she thinks she's the real talent on the show, that she's the star. So let's prove to her that she's wrong and we don't need her anymore. <laughs> I don't think this is what you're trying to go for. <laughs> let's get everyone against Sarah. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey guys, now that Sarah's not here, let's talk some shit about Sarah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everyone chime in right now. Well, this got weird pretty quick. We just lost half our audience. Yeah. <laughs> now, welcome back to the show. We're having a good time. Uh, weather is very crazy here. It's weathersome. It's weathersome. That's what it's like, though, in the springtime in Portland. I hear something. Oh, speaking of... <laughs> this just in. It's 59 and cloudy at not Disneyland. And it's 71 degrees and sunny at Disneyland. That's about perfect. This week's episode is timely in that it's coming out on Monday, April 4th, which is one day after Sunday, April 3rd, because that's how a calendar works. Mm -hmm. And that is the Grammys. And our mm -hmm. Jamesian from the studio <laughs> is going to be representing Disney yeah. Dependent at the Grammys. Just yeah. kidding. No, no not he's Disney not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll be representing my own music management company yeah. at the Grammys. Yep. So he's yep. he's flying to the Grammys tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, and he by the time that this comes out, we'll see who won. We'll see what happens. One of the producers I manage has been nominated for uh, several for a record for several, yeah, uh, for an artist named Doja Cat. If you know who she is, yep. The kids love her. The kids love her. <laughs> She's a hell of a talent. Hell of a talent. Uh, we couldn't be more proud of Ryan Lewis. That's my client and my friend. And he's the reason I'm going. He's the talent. I'm just dragging on. Dragging on? No. I'm just basically forcing my way into the Grammys. So mm -hmm. for some reason, they let me in. Um, I got a suit for the whole thing. Sure I even did. got a haircut. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> now, do I have the biggest zit in my chin right now? Yes. Am I wearing a Band-Aid right now to cover <laughs> that zit? Yeah, I am. <laughs> That's how that goes. Let's see how it, you know, translates in pictures. Um, no, it's pretty surreal, and, and we're real excited. So I, I really appreciate the theme of the episode, Ash. What do you got for us? We're going to talk about the times that Disney has won at the Grammys Ooh, over the years. That's a lot, I bet. I mean, not as many as you'd think. There were a, a lot of nominations, um, but I mean, I have enough that we can kind of touch on each of them. Yeah. For the most part, let me clarify that I am talking about um, the most commonly won award is the best song written for visual media. Yeah, I was going to say this tends to be more of a film award category. Mm -hmm. Score, uh, scores and original songs for movies, like any of the Encanto soundtrack and all that stuff, that tends to be more an Oscar thing or, you know, 
the what's the other one called globes um, yes thank you that that type of business um but so yeah i'm interested to hear what disney's role over the years is at the grammys i mean it's pretty much the same it's just people don't really talk about it as much right so according to wikipedia the greatest number of nominations from this group of folks for this category is alan menken a very frequent disney composer yeah he's had 10 nominations what are some of the things he's done uh, well, we'll be getting into it. The first one up will be Little Mermaid, but mm, we'll get there. What a classic! Um, and he's won five times, so he's wow. had, he is the mo- he's the winningest and he nominatingest won five, five times. Yep. Wow. And then uh, Randy Newman, no surprise there. Yep. Seven nominations and three wins. Jeez, he's got a lot of work under his belt. He's also got a weird voice. Am I right? He sure does. <laughs> okay, so first up, nineteen eighty nine. The Little Mermaid, so composed by Alan Menken, lyrics by Howard Ashman, uh, it won for Under the Sea. Wow. And so it won in 89 or in 90? In 91. 91. So it's typically two years after release. Cool. So if any of you have forgotten what Under the Sea sounds like, here it is for a few seconds. I mean, it just puts you right back there. It does. I'll have you know that this won against two Stephen Sondheim songs from mm. the movie Dick Tracy, as performed by Madonna. Is that right now? It also won against Kiss the Girl from The Little Mermaid. Oh, okay. And you'll like this, James. John Bon Jovi's Blaze of Glory from Young Guns 2. You know, that's actually kind of upsetting. Because that's a great soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you'd find a problem with that. How fun. It also won the Academy Award for Best Original Song in 1990. Mm. Some fun facts about the song, Under the Sea. It is based on the song, The Beautiful Briny Sea, from the 1971 film, Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Interesting. Based how, though? (laughs) I mean, I think, like, inspired inspired, by it. Inspired, yeah. Okay. Um, Another fun fact. The music is briefly heard during Aladdin, just before Genie turns Aladdin into a prince. During this segment, the Genie opens a recipe book to find a supposed recipe for a prince. That's right. And comes upon Alaskan King Crab. Uh Uh-huh. And it's basically Sebastian. Yeah. Yeah. That's Um, right. It's like very quick. It's like... Yeah. (laughs) It's like, nope. Nope. Yeah. Um, And at least 12 known species of fish are mentioned in the song. Even though it is entitled Under the Sea, the fish mentioned are a mix between freshwater and marine. Is that right now? Full of lies. Wow. Um, Last one. The song is the only song in the Disney Renaissance period to be both a main and ending song and to use the same singer and melody in each use, starting with Beauty and the Beast and the titular song, Tit. Um, <laughs> the main end and ending covers are sung by different people. Nice. Now, speaking of, next up we have 1991, Beauty and the Beast. Also a classic. On Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> oh my God, let's hear it. Okay. Um, also composed by Ellen Mankin, lyrics by Howard Ashman. What a duo. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I just want to hold something. <laughs> Someone. Uh, in 1993, it won against Now and Forever from A League of Their Own, sung by Carol King. Oh. Now and Forever. Interesting. Well, there's Angela Come Lansbury. On. 
Um, it also won against Tears in Heaven, the Eric Clapton song, which was apparently written for a movie called Rush, which really? was a Jason Patrick action film. Weird. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Crazy. Thankfully, Tears in Heaven did end up winning something. <laughs> it won Song of the Year, <laughs> among many other awards, so don't be too sad about the fact that it lost to Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Okay. Wow. The song, Beauty and the Beast, actually also won an Academy Award for Best Original Song, marking Mencken and Ashman, who had died at this point. So Ashman's posthumously second win after the 1989 award for Under the Sea for The Little Mermaid. I remember this story because we, we looked this up at one point a while back and we were like, oh my God, he died right in his prime. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah. Um, wow. The prologue also won for Best Instrumental Composition Written for a Motion Picture or for Television. Wow. Um, and that's the one in the beginning where there's the narration of, you know, long ago, Prince did this thing and the witch yeah. was like, I hate you. And then he turned into a dog. By the way, the Grammys are really great for musicians. It's really great for composers. It really can be career-changing producers, the whole thing. But to win an Oscar as a composer, it's you pretty much you can you are validated in the industry for the rest of your life and you are you're just one of those composers now and you get paid at a certain rate. You're going to be hired on all the big movies. That's really cool. God, what mm-hmm. an achievement. It was also like in the, what do they call the Disney era? The the Renaissance. The Renaissance, that's right. Yeah, I mean, all those great movies. Mm-hmm. And they're all paired with like some of the best music of all the Disney movies. Oh, yeah. Um, a couple of fun facts about the song. Every single line of the song has five syllables. <laughs> wow. Tale is old this time. Right. da 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 Da-da-da-da-da. That's funny. I've never noticed that. (laughs) And Angela Lansbury told the Huffington Post that Ashman and Mencken had originally written the song in the style of a rock ballad. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) And although she enjoyed it, she felt incapable of recording it because of the unfamiliar style in which it was written. She questioned the songwriter's choice in her, asking them, are you sure you want me to do this? (laughs) She also felt as though her voice uh, was not in a suitable condition to record Beauty and the Beast, feeling insecure about having to sustain to sustain its several long extended notes. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashman and Mankin simply advised her to sing it the way she envisioned it, and ultimately she successfully recorded it in only one take, which ended up in the film. Oh wow, what a pro! Yeah. Next we have 1992's "A Whole New World" from Aladdin. I mean, come on. Come on. Also composed by Alan Menken, this time lyrics by Tim Rice. Jeez. Yeah, you can. In 1994, the song won against Friend Like Me from Aladdin, written by Alan Menken and Howard Ashman. Oh, okay. So he had probably one of the last things he wrote. Yeah, it must have been. And two songs from The Bodyguard, as sung by Whitney Houston, I Have Nothing and Run to You. Wow. 
Fun facts about that song. Howard Ashman and Alan Menken discussed writing a song for the Magic Carpet Ride, but Ashman passed away in March of 1991 while the film was still in development. Fortunately, Tim Rice was able to put his work on The Lion King on hold to help Menken finish the song on Ashman's behalf. I think this is in one of the Disney Plus documentaries. Probably. This story of these two and how he was loved by everyone. Yeah. You know, and he was a... Yeah, just a juggernaut. I did he did it say how he passed away? I didn't look. I was bummed about it. Yeah, it was like an immune thing, I wanna say. I want to say that he decided to just fly off into the distance yeah. like Mary Poppins. Right. He just <laughs> in a very Disney happy way. Yep. Yeah. Um, last fun fact, Alan Mankin's tentative title for the Magic Carpet Ride was the world at your feet. It was Tim Rice that changed wow. it to a whole new world, and thank God he did because that was a terrible name. Yeah, that is. A, it's funny. I love hearing the like drafts of things. Yeah. Or like, who was going to be the original cast of some movie or show? Have you ever seen the original, or like, um, some of the considerations for the cast of Friends? Yes. And it was like really down to. A few choices. Yeah. And it's hard to imagine. Yeah. That's so funny yeah. how things just kind of work out. Yeah. Um, the next song to win was 1994's Can You Feel the Love Tonight from mm. The Lion King. It won for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance, not the other category that I had. Wait, and who wrote this one? Um, Elton John. Got That's right. Sir... Elton John. That's right. And he kind of sounds like an Elton John song. Yeah. What was the other guy's name? Alan Pinkin? Pink- Menken. Menken. Okay. So every time you said that name, I think of Mandy Pinton- Patinkin. P- P- Patinkin. I keep thinking of his face because yeah. it kind of sort of sounds like that. Just so you know, that's the face I keep thinking of. Yeah. So the song was composed by Elton John, lyrics by Tim Rice. Nice. Hmm. <laughs> it's pretty great. In 1995, the song actually lost for the best song written for visual media to The Streets of Philadelphia from the movie Philadelphia, written by Bruce Springsteen. Mm. Can You Feel the Love Tonight also won the Academy Award for Best Original Song and the Golden Globe Award for Best Original Song. Wow. So, dang. It's such an Elton John song. Oh, yeah. Hans Zimmer won the Best Original Score at the Oscars for his score work on The Lion King. Oh, wow. So, it won a lot of awards that year. Um, A couple of fun facts. Can You Feel the Love Tonight was the first song that Elton John wrote for the film. And it was only through the insistence of Elton John that the song was included in the movie. Several demos of the song were recorded during the film's production. One demo was sung just by Timon and Pumbaa, (laughs) but Elton John disliked the comical nature of the concept, although part of that comical nature is used at um, at the end of the film. 
And in the original soundtrack version of the song, Timon and Pumbaa's sobbing at the end is prolonged, eventually cutting to them snoring, implying that they cried themselves to sleep. (laughs) It's very cute. Okay, the next song to win is 1995's Pocahontas, Colors of the Wind. It's a good song. It's a good song. It is composed composed by Ellen Mankin, lyrics by Stephen Schwartz, who becomes the new writing partner, kind of. The new They're guy. In town. Mm, that's it. Mm-hmm. The 1996 Grammy won against Have You Ever Really Loved a Woman from Don Juan DeMarco, recorded by Brian Adams. Oh, wow. Fun fact. Fun fact. I mean, it's arguably the best part about the movie. It's the, Yeah, it's other than the animals, the cute animals. Yeah, sure. So, a, f- okay. a couple of fun facts. The song mentions a, quote, blue corn moon. Schwartz, the lyricist, admitted that he coined the phrase after a reading of a Native American love poem, which read, I will come to you in the moon of green corn. Native Americans referred to months as moons and named them after events that happened seasonally, such as the sprouting of green corn. Schwartz disliked the phrase green corn moon due to the sound of the word green, Green. Green. And because he felt like it might evoke the urban legend that the moon is made of green cheese. I don't know why. Green cheese? I've heard of cheese. Yeah. Just cheese. Instead, Schwartz used the phrase blue corn moon as it reminded him of both blue moons and blue corn tortillas. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) A funny thing to change. Yep. Um, So that was nominated, you said? One. Oh, it won. Okay, Mm -hmm. wow. Interesting. Um... Then it skips a few years, and A Bug's Life from 1998 no way. actually won for uh, one Best Instrumental Composition for the main title. And Which I cannot think of to save my life. Nope, not at all. That's also not a movie I watched probably more than once. Is this the beginning of the movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do kind of remember that now. Yep. One best instrumental composition composed by Randy Newman. I was just going to say, it sounds like Randy Newman. Yep. Or even Thomas Newman. Yeah. It is a nice song. It is nice. It's really nice. And it does sound very familiar now. Yeah. Um, I wrote, fun fact, I don't have anything fun to say about this one because I'm not super familiar with the bug's life it is good it was a fun movie it was just kind of in that weird in-between time kind of the dead time for disney didn't help that we were 14 and 15 when this came out so we we were not not, interested yeah exactly um that's interesting though and the the music sounds very like radiator springs dca soren you know what i'm saying cars that that kind of adventure Disney music. Yeah, for sure. Know. Next win, we have 1999, Toy Story 2. The song composed by Randy Newman mm. is When She Loved Me, and it is performed by Sarah McLaughlin. Okay. I don't know if I remember this off the top of my head. I don't think so. It's in Toy Story 2? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
keep hoping Randy Newman's gonna start singing. <laughs> when somebody loved me, yeah. Everything was beautiful. Yeah, I kind of remember that. Every hour we spent together lives within my heart. Yeah, I vaguely yeah. remember. Okay, it. vaguely. Um, in 2001 is when the Grammys were for this. It won against, um, which I just have to say, this is a travesty to me that it won against this song. Oh, no. It won against um, Amy Mann's Save Me from Magnolia. And now I'm not like, I, I mean, Amy Mann's fine. I'm not like the biggest Amy Mann fan, sure, but I sure. love that song. Okay. And I just, I don't know. I don't I like having that song. I don't like having a song that I don't really know that well from Toy Story 2 beat that. So the category is still best, what is it? Best song written for visual media. For visual media. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. That was very upsetting hmm. to me. So I wonder if, if they get loose with that category. Because is it not always best song for a movie? Like for a film? It could be a film or I think even... Um, like uh, I mean, visual TV, media, yeah. anything visual. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Um, some fun facts. The music that goes with this song can be heard again in Toy Story 3 and Toy Story 4. This is okay. the first Pixar song not to be sung by Randy Newman. <sighs> However, he plays the piano. Uh, can't, get, can't get rid of him. Um, Tom Hanks and Tim Allen have admitted that the flashback sequence featuring the song made them cry during Aww. early Toy Story 2 screenings. That's so sweet. And New Now Next ranked When She Loved Me the second greatest song of McLaughlin's career, crediting its Academy Award nomination to her, quote, heartfelt interpretation of the song. Wow. Its sad tone has frequently drawn comparisons to her television commercials for the ASPCA. <laughs> Yeah, that, what a son of a bitch she is I for know. doing that, you know? Yep. God. Um, and last fun fact, College Humor's Willie Muse joked that McLaughlin used When She Loved Me to make listeners cry, quote, long before she was singing background vocals for images of dogs being abused. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing this for years. I can make you cry. Yeah. Cool, what's next? 2001, from Monsters, Inc., it is If I Didn't Have You, composed by Randy Newman. Okay. I'm sure it'll be familiar when I hear it. Yep, it Not will the be. best with names. If I were a rich man. Yeah, great. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's Randy Newman. With a million or two. And that's John Goodman uh-huh. singing? It was composed by Randy Newman, performed by... Um, Billy Crystal and John Newman. Let's just play for so I want to hear it. This is Monsters, Inc. 1? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So in 2003, it won against uh, May It Be from The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, performed by Enya. Interesting. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, at the 2002 Academy Awards, the song was sung by Randy Newman and John Goodman. Cute. The song became Pixar's first song to win an Academy Award for Best Original Song. This was like Pixar was like finally kicking in yeah. high gear. This is like, yeah. This is like, yeah. This is like, yeah. Uh, fun facts. All Music said, 
Quote, for its charm, it, it can't help but sound a bit like a second-rate version of Toy Story's You've Got a Friend in Me, but it's still a winning song. Yeah. Definitely feel that way. That's a fair mm-hmm. assessment. This is actually a, a cute note. So Newman received a standing ovation when collecting his best original song Oscar trophy for the song. He said, quote, I want to thank, first of all, the music branch of the of the Motion Picture Academy for giving me so many chances to be humiliated over the years. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. I am absolutely astounded that I won for this. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So he's even admitting like, really? He's like, this one? Okay. Wait, so he didn't win for... You've got a friend in me? Mm-hmm. How is that possible? I mean, I guess whatever was up against. Something else that was up against was pretty big. So that's actually an important point to point out. Well, that's mm-hmm. two points in a row. Um, you know, if if you think about it, these, these award shows, they're really funny because they mean a lot and they mean nothing all at the same time. They ultimately mean absolutely nothing. Like, you know with war and stuff but going man, on. man, it's going to feel good to yeah. win, though. <laughs> but but also, like, even for its own thing, you, like, you know, you may not win this award this year because of what it's... What am I trying to say? Like, You've Got a Friend in Me is one of the most classic songs of all time. Just because it didn't win doesn't mean anything. It just means right. it didn't win in that moment of time compared to something else. You know, per people's opinions and the voting thing of the Academy or... The Recording Academy, in the case of the Grammys, it's it's very political and it doesn't really mean a whole lot in the end. So don't don't hold too much weight to it. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy though. That's my point. Is even he is like, huh? That's interesting. This is the one. All right. So it actually lost against Pocahontas, Colors of the Wind. You've got a friend in me. Yeah. Okay. I take it all back. I'm pissed. <laughs> wow. I had to look it up. Just I just needed to know. No way. Yep. How do you know? I don't know. It might be one of... I mean, you've got a friend to me. A- am I wrong here? It's one of the most classic Disney slash Pixar original songs of all time. Yeah, for sure. You're just having my Amy I mean, Mann's Save Me moment right now. Where yeah. you're just feeling robbed personally. People, you know, you can like kind of poke fun at that song. You've heard it a million times, but it is a powerful song. It's a very sweet song. And it's... It's quintessential Randy Newman. It is the Randy Newman song. Yeah. It is is the best song he ever wrote. It is the most him in in his prime. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Um, Next up was 2006, Our Town from Cars, as performed by James Taylor... Also composed by Randy Newman. Oh, lovely. I only have one fun fact, and that is that as the track is a background song and not key for understanding the plot, Our Town was left untranslated in most foreign dubbings. Oh, is that right? Like, they don't need to know what it says. Right. Doesn't matter. James Taylor, you said? Mm-hmm. It sounds like him. That's how he plays guitar. Long ago, not so very long ago. Yeah, that's super James Taylor. It's very James Taylor-y. <laughs> All right. Well, so, yeah, there you go. 
feel like uh, going to a cocktail party and wearing some slacks, <laughs> wearing some dockers. James okay. Taylor, you know? James Taylor, you know? Um, next up, 2008. Wally. Yeah. One. I'm gonna get pissed. Oh, okay. He twice. won. Oh yeah, dude. So which which one? So first up, uh, best instrumental arrangement uh, composed by Thomas Newman and Peter Gabriel oh, is "Define Dancing." What a duo! I know. Let's hear it. Hit it, Ash. Hit it. Oh, dude. What? What? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna sob right now. Yep cute little robot floating through the sky his cute little eyebrows i just gotta say i i mean thomas newman is my absolute favorite Absol- composer this is of all time jam. yeah i mean i'm right there with her but no one likes thomas newman more than ash <sighs> and peter gabriel come on i know wow so that's defined dancing um is that the part where Wally and Eva are kind of spinning around in yeah. space. Yeah. It's such a beautiful... Oh, I love that movie so much. I know. It's so good. It's one of the most... Is it underrated? Because I feel like it's kind of an underrated movie. Probably. Or is it just that people... I guess my experience is either people are meh about Wally or they freaking love it. Yeah. It's kind of all in or you're just like, I don't know. It didn't really speak to me. Yeah. The other song, Down to Earth... Great song, sung, yes. written, and produced by Peter Gabriel, and featuring the Soweto Gospel Choir. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the song was composed by Peter Gabriel and Thomas Newman. So I actually listen to the song quite often. Me too. It's on my playlist. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. We'll play for just a sec. There Ugh. such a blend of Peter Gabriel and Thomas Newman. Yeah. The piano line is very Newman. Everything else is Gabriel. It's probably my favorite song on this list. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe. This is right when I started to see Pixar differently. Right. So there's a comedian, Andrew Schultz. Ash, you know who he is. Um, you know, he's a very polarizing comedian because he, he, he's uh, not the, like the wokest comedian, I guess we'll say. You know, he just kind of says it like it is. Anyway, he has a podcast called Flagrant 2. And on this show, you know, it's like a there's like many hosts on the show. It's him and like three buds. And, you know, it's a big group kind of podcast. And they're all... Just and they're all like New Yorker, like hardcore dudes. You wouldn't think that they gave a shit about Disney movies or Pixar movies. They went, they just went so hard on how good Pixar movies are, and like they're all just one upping each other and like, oh, dude, how much do you cry in Wally? Like, <laughs> there's not a better movie, and they were just like, they were just egging each other on about how good Pixar really is. Mm-hmm. That even the movies like. I don't know what's like uh like that movie soul mm-hmm. i really liked it we both really liked it but it in the pixar land i guess that's a flop or a right. dud 
But that is not a dud of a movie, generally no. speaking. If that were any other studio that put out an animated feature-length movie, everyone would be losing their minds over that movie. God, now I want to watch Soul again. It's so good. It's such a profound movie. It's so good. And somehow Pixar cracked the code of like the right amount of sentimental, the right amount of kid, like because it's still a kid's thing. And But they also involve the adults. Mm-hmm. The parents watching the movies, the non-parent adults, the such as ourselves. The dread. Yeah. yeah um, they, they really did it. Down to Earth in 2009, it won against um, an Alan Menken and Stephen Schwartz couple of songs. Oh, wow. Both from Enchanted. Okay. Ever, Ever After. And That's How You Know. So those are, those are, some, those are some fun songs. Yeah. But come on. But come on. Yeah. It also won against Walk Hard from Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. <laughs> Walk Hard. Hard. <laughs> Great movie. Very, very underrated comedy if you oh, haven't yeah. watched that in a while. Fun fact. Peter Gabriel said, quote, as a kid, I loved animation, so I'm a huge Pixar fan. He explained to Mark Blake, I have seen Wally many times as I have young children. It was also great to work with the scorer, Thomas Newman. Hmm. He wrote the best TV theme tune ever for six feet under yes he did that's right oh yeah don't go slipping on thomas newman he's he's written some of the coolest scores of all time i love him road to perdition get out of here just get out of here man yep it's all great um next up we have up up 2009 up oh i mean uh, before we get into the music this is the first 10 minutes of the (laughs) (laughs) i know i know we all cry so Married Life, the oh. you know the song. All right, I'm. You know what? I wasn't prepared <laughs> for this kind of emotion, Ash. Composed by Michael Giacchino, and it won for best instrumental composition. Uh, Michael Giacchino also won best score soundtrack album. Wow! So here is Married Life. Mm. Oh come on! It's so good. It's so good in the movie, mm. and. If you are a parks person, you hear this you hear song this all, day, all day, and you never get tired and of it. And it makes you happy to be there. You smell that. Oh. This is a heavy park song. Yeah. Um, it fun... starts with the like muted trumpet thing, and oh, then it yeah. goes into the violins. It's so good. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, a fun fact that following the film's success, the score can be heard as area music on Main Street USA at Disneyland. But unlike in the film version, the this version emits any of the sad verses. So it keeps it happy. It keeps it happy. You don't want to get sad on Main Street. <laughs> no. You know where you hear this the most? I think you hear this the most around the hub. Yeah. Because they, they kind of have two separate... Correct me if I'm wrong, hardcore Disneyland fans. I think there's two separate loops. There's There's a few different loops. And they change throughout the years. Well, I just mean through like the Main Street area. Okay. Like from Main Street to the castle, you're going to hear different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, next up in 2010, so Toy Story 3 won uh, Best Soundtrack Album. So Best Score Soundtrack Album for a Motion Picture Television or Other Visual Media. Okay. Composed by Randy Newman. Congrats to you, Randy Newman. So good. <laughs> You did it. Somewhere he's like, thanks. You did it, Randy Newman. You finally made it. (laughs) Um, Also in 2010, uh, Tangled's I See the Light, composed by Alan Menken, lyrics by Glenn Slater. Boy, this Alan Menken fellow, huh? 
yeah, he's a hell of a talent. Jeez Louise. He so yeah, it it in two thousand twelve at the Grammys, it won against um other things, but also Christmas time is killing us from Family Guy. <laughs> but um yeah, Tangled, I see the light won. Not a movie I know very well. No, we have not seen it. Oh, we haven't seen it. No. Okay. I'm sorry, Michelle, our friend Michelle. Here's the thing. Oh. I also hate Mandy Moore. Well, yeah. Obviously. Oh, is that her singing? Yeah. It's a good song. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Here's the thing. It ain't no Thomas Newman Peter Gabriel combo, but it's it's good. I do really like the song when it's in medleys for like fireworks performances and stuff. You know what I've noticed about that movie? And there's a few movies right around that era. What was that? 2010? Ten. Yeah. Right around that era, a lot of people we know that are our age or or maybe even a little bit older, Sarah, Michelle, that The ones that had kids. They had kids around that time. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. So they had little kids and there was all those movies that came out right around that time. Mm-hmm. So they're, that's very like sentimental for them to think of their little kids at that age. So I get that. We just kind of skipped out on those mm-hmm. handful of movies. And I'm not going to like retroactively as an adult suddenly love Mandy Moore. <laughs> Sure, sure. Might love Tangled the movie, but <laughs> I think the Mandy Moore window is best. Um, I did find something that said, musically, I See the Light has received polarizing view- reviews from critics, mm-hmm. many of whom were generally underwhelmed by the film's songs. Contrastingly, <laughs> the climactic musical sequence during which I See the Light is performed by Rapunzel and Flynn, commonly referred to as the, quote, lantern sequence, has fared significantly better than the song itself, garnering widespread acclaim from film critics. Oh, interesting. And we've seen, like... That happens. You've seen the, the lantern sequence. Yep. Like, if you've been in the parks, you've, you've seen montages of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. I think that's in the animation studio. Yep. That little foyer, foyer room. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, so 2013, we have Frozen's Let It Go. I, okay, so there may not be a more successful song other than um, I think that new movie Encanto. Ah, uh, yeah. That has a song. Surface that pressure is so crazy popular. Yeah, like number one charting song. But Let It Go yeah. is something special. Composed and lyrics by Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez. They'll, they will come up again. Yeah, this movie, or this song rather, doesn't happen. This doesn't happen often. Yeah. This broke through into an actual charting song. Yep. It won against Everything is Awesome from the Lego movie. As it should. It's a fun song and all, but come on now. Let It Go earned a Golden Globe Award nomination for Best Original Song. It also won the Academy Award for Best Original Song at the 86th Academy Awards, where the film version was performed by Adina Menzel herself. Right. I remember that. Yeah. And she is so good. Yeah. She is great. What a powerhouse. And she comes from, like, Broadway stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was um, she the same actor? She did like all the Wiccan, Wiccan, not Wiccan, Wiccan. Uh, Wick, what's it called? Wicked? Wicked. Yeah, Wicked. Yeah. That's her? 
Yeah. Yeah, like and the original run. Yeah, like the the one that you hear yeah. recorded the most, I think. Got it. Fun fact about Let It Go, uh, Elsa was originally going to be the antagonist, and therefore Let It Go was originally intended to be a villain song. If one listens very closely, you can hear subtle clues in the song's lyrics that potentially hint at Elsa heel turning, such as, no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. And it was originally going to be sung in a mocking tone, which becomes more demented as the song progresses to enforce this. However, the song defeats the purpose of making Elsa an antagonist since she never committed any evil beforehand. And this resulted in Hans being rewritten as the main antagonist of the film. Which was a good move. Yeah. Uh, next, we have Moana, How Far I'll Go. Great. Composed and lyrics by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Okay, so now he's starting to step up. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this is what year? 2016 Moana. So Hamilton um, had already been a smash hit by this point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Right. Uh, this is in, So in 2018 is when it won. And it won against City of Stars from La La Land. I don't know if I agree with that. I know. Wow. I do really love how far I'll go, though. City of Stars? I will say, when this song kicks in, I do get chills. I really like this movie. Yeah. It's an original movie for Disney. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's another park song you hear a lot. Yeah. You hear it in parades. And I mean, it's kids love that song. Mm-hmm. I love it. I mean, I it, it's great. Yeah. I um, think any of those songs that like test, you know, last the test of time as far as like what makes it in parks and what doesn't typically carries a lot of weight with me, mm-hmm. you know, because it's just, I mean, that's what you want in a Disney movie yeah. or a Disney song rather. That's what you want. Yep. So, fun fact, Lin-Manuel Miranda says, quote, To me, it's so much more complicated than just, I hate it here and I want to get out. Right. So, he's like trying to get himself into Moana's mind. Um, To say, I love it here, I love my parents, but why can't I stop walking to the ocean and fantasizing about getting out of here? And questioning that instinct. It's even more confusing, and that's a valid story, too. To make himself more compelling song, uh, Miranda, quote, went method and locked himself in his childhood bedroom at his parents' residence for an entire weekend in order to force his mind back to the age of of 16, the same age as Moana in the film, a time when he was facing what seemed like an impossible distance between the reality of his pleasant middle-class childhood, which had no connection to show business whatsoever, and his dreams of a career in show business. He was well aware that he was composing the next Disney, quote, I want song after Let It Go. And that whatever he wrote had to be different from that. Wow. And it was. It's it great. was, yeah. Good job, man. Um, so that catches us up. But this year, there is a nominee, a Disney nominee oh, at the Grammys there? for when James Ian will be there. Yes. Uh, the nominee is Agatha All Along. From WandaVision, Episode 7. Oh, cool. Also written by Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez and performed by Katherine Hahn. Nice. Let's hear it. Okay. I love it. Great. What an original show. 
Oh, yeah. This reminds me of... of the guy that composed Incredibles score. Yeah. It's the same kind of vibe. Yeah, that's that's great. That's great. Um, FYI, it is running against... Here's the full list of nominees. All Eyes on Me from Bo Burnham's Inside. Okay. Which you saw, but I did not. I saw half of it. Okay. It's genius. It's okay. incredible. Um, All I Know So Far from Pink. All I Know So Far. Okay. Fight for You from Judas and the Black Messiah, which I don't remember that song. We've seen the movie. Huh. Um, uh, it's a cool movie. Yeah. Um, it's also up against Here I Am, Singing My Way Home from Respect. What's Respect? Do it's I know what that is? the biopic about... Um, Aretha Franklin. Mm, okay. Would imagine. Got it. And also, it is up against Speak Now from One Night in Miami, which we need to see still. Um, performed and co-written by Leslie Odom Jr. Oh. So I think you might actually get to hear him perform that, which makes me want to kill you. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, gotta, gotta be me to go to the Grammys, I guess. You gotta be me. Um, so, fun facts. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Catherine Hahn recorded her vocals over Zoom. Wow. Yeah. Um, and Agatha All Along is similar to the theme song for the Munsters and the Adams Family theme from the Adams Family. Mm. The couple were, sh- uh, the couple, Kristen and Robert Lopez, mm-hmm. they were drawn to the po- the past monster centric series as music in order to give Agatha's theme song a witchy, ghoulish feeling. And a little bit of an Oompa Loompa tenor feel to it, too. Uh. And the feeling of something in a haunted house. It has been described variously as a memeable, deliciously vampy single that gleefully twisted the plot of the show and one that would likely live on outside as an entrance music for anyone looking to stir chaos, which I love. Yeah, totally. It's also described as the greatest character introduction song of all time. I mean, it's up there. Um, It's also arguably the most aggressive earworm. And some say the finest moment of WandaVision. I can't argue it. I think that was a really great moment. And the way that they broke the fourth wall. And she's just so genius. Awesome. Was there no mention of, I'm going to attempt to pronounce his name, Michael Giacchino? Giacchino? Yeah, the guy that scored The Incredibles. Um, He was, he won from separate for a few things. A Grammy? Yeah. Or, Or did he do... He's the one I had to look up the name. Oh, okay. But what what was I don't maybe I don't remember what it was for. He composed Up. And That's he what it is. won Best Instrumental Composition. Got for it. Up. Okay. That's right. Okay. I was gonna say that that's very surprising. Mm-hmm. Huh. I'm surprised it wasn't um he wasn't nominated for the Incredibles. Because that's a pretty widely Oh, he was nominated. These are just the winners. So he oh wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah. I mean that yeah, that's actually an interesting point you just brought up how often these people are nominated yeah it's one thing to win but you know you, just to be nominated is a huge deal and a lot of these people are nominated 20 30 40 times in their life yeah it's pretty incredible it's pretty incredible um my sources are very easy they are the disney wiki and wikipedia with music sourced from spotify so thanks spotify please don't yeah. Take us off the air. Yeah, no one knows who we are. We'll be fine. 
Well, that was super fun. Thanks for all the research, Ash, as yeah. usual. Good luck at the Grammys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, before we transition into the weekly recommended picks of the week stuff, things that we like and you should check out and thing segment, um, quick quick things to bring up about Disneyland. I'm sure you fans, oh my God, that squirrel's being so cute. I know. I told you there was a really cute squirrel out there. Sorry. I literally had a squirrel. Squirrel moment. God, that's a cute squirrel. <laughs> Sorry. He's like two feet outside the window just being really cute. Um, yeah. So Disneyland this month is is turning a really big corner in like post covid stuff they the, we have the return of a lot of the shows like a lot of the firework shows are coming back the uh fantasmic is coming back that's at the end of may but we get the firework show april 22nd the what's it called wonderful world of color world of color world of color in dca uh april 22nd as well so that's great man like and the live shows are coming back, you know, stuff with crowds. And that is just so exciting. So I just wanted to mention that. And also, a little shout out to Ashley. She got her D23 gold membership recently. I'm legit. Yeah. Apparently mine is in the mail. We we didn't sign it up at the same time. We thought we did, but that's the whole thing. Anyway, if you know what that is, it's a big deal. They send you a whole package. There's a whole like, you know, they give you a pin from each park your own little medallion thing, like a luggage tag. It's a whole thing. You get a plaque. It's really, really cool. And I get the, you know, the quarterly magazine. Yep. And we're going to go to D23. Which is like Comic-Con for Disneyland fans. Yeah. Yeah. So congrats, Ash. You're an official gold member. Sarah's not here, but she does have a media rec for you. Let's hear it. It is Crashing on Netflix. And it's... um. A 2016 TV series that's from the UK. It has Phoebe Waller-Bridge in it, and she's probably best known from Fleabag. Very beloved. Beloved actress, beloved um, series. And so Crashing is a comedy series following the lives of six 20 and 30-somethings living together as property guardians of a large disused hospital. (laughs) So we haven't seen it yet, so we can't really fully speak to it, but... Sarah's loving it, and it has a really great um, group of people behind it. It's, the premise is hilarious. Cool. Probably enjoy it. Yeah, sounds like something we'd like. Um, I don't have a media pick, but my mama does. Oh, let's hear it. She recommends Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah. I heard it's great. Yep. Is this a Netflix thing? HBO. Oh, okay, cool. Um, it is an American sports drama television ser- series created by Max Bornstein and Jim Hecht for HBO based on the book Showtime, Magic, Kareem, Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers Dynasty of the 1980s. Um, yeah. So for context, my mom hates the Lakers. Yes. So the fact that she's recommending this to you. Right. Um, that means it's good. It means it's good. It's a standalone good show. And I mean, she does, she, she does love Pat Riley, I will say. So. But she's she like she likes some Lakers elements. Die hard Blazers fan. Yeah. Um, the pilot episode is directed by Adam McKay. And oh, cool. it actually has a lot of people in it that you would know, like John C. Riley, Jason Clark. Yeah, I heard nothing people. but good things. Cool. Yeah. I'll check that out. My pick for this week is the Hulu miniseries, The Dropout. Um, this is a bonker show about a bonker story. Um, and a bonkers woman. Dude, it's it's so crazy. So it's a TV series that 
chronicles Theranos, as she says it, Theranos, Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes attempt to revolutionize the healthcare industry after dropping out of college and starting a technology company. Now, that just is like the bare bones description. She frauded investors. She frauded the public. She put people at risk for their own, um, you know, medical care. And she lied a lot. And so did the company, her co-founder slash boyfriend guy. It gets so crazy and it is a really good reminder that ambition shouldn't be the only thing that drives you. You know, the yeah. ambition to succeed or to be wealthy or to be famous or fill in the blank, that shouldn't be what drives you in this world. It's okay to have the ambition. It's okay to try to do something with your time here on earth. But her ambition was seemingly to just be a tech person to be like Steve Jobs to yeah. be Bill she Gates to be, to be a, a mogul a mogul and she there was a switch in her life where she decided to start dressing like those people she wore the stupid black turtleneck i mean she just got the like character down she she lowered her voice and she had this weird way of talking that was very like this in corporate and she had all these stupid sayings and it is a car wreck in slow motion yeah it's pretty wild so check it out a good uh reminder to follow something because you're passionate about it and that you you know you actually care about it <laughs> and hopefully you bring some value to people yeah that that's a wild show i really enjoy it yeah what's the name of the actress that plays her amanda seyfried she is great she is great She's at her. just perfect at her yeah her character is uh pretty good the the way that 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 woman spoke was so bizarre it's really hard. That's to get. a hard person to emulate. Yeah, and she did it really well. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, that's it. Yeah, I think we did it, man. Thanks for listening to another episode of Disney Independent. See, See you real soon. soon. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Disney Dependent. And you can send us an email at Disney Dependent at gmail.com. This podcast is produced by Producer Ash. The logo is by Ryan Hatch, and you can find him at WRHatch on Instagram. The music is by Ryan Knowles, and you can find him at Ryan Allen Knowles on Instagram. This show is mixed and edited by Deanna Chapman. You can find Deanna at Deanna underscore Chapman. And this has been a Team Dynamite Goat production. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the show and we'll be back here next week.